This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studio for the next hour prior to the uh, Suns-Pelicans game tonight. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Sarah Cazell in the update booth for, I'm guessing, about four more seconds. Two, one, <laughs> bye. I do. I appreciate you staying. And um, that wasn't really a dance. That was not even in your top hundred. But I still yeah. appreciate you sticking around and do the update. Yeah, nice. you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's a great update. Uh, actually, it was a good update. And there's a lot in there. The Phoenix Suns playing the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. You uh, heard the injury updates. And um, look, the important thing is Devin Booker's playing. I, I got a kick out of that all day. It was like, well, Devin Booker's probable. Well, Devin Booker just hit the game-winning shot in the last game when he put up 24 points and 15 of them in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to go ahead and assume he's going to play tonight. If you think back to the game against New Orleans on December 29th, that was the most lopsided, convincing, just dominant Suns win of the season. I know they haven't played a ton of games, but this is the 20th game of the year. So we're getting into, you know, you're almost a third of the way through the season at this point. And they've had some nice wins, you know, beating Denver on January 1st. That's a good win, especially the second half of a back-to-back, having just played Utah, beating them the night before. Uh, the nice comeback against the Clippers, even though they came up short in that one. Uh, you know, some some other good wins, but, uh, I mean, 3-0 against Dallas is great. That 21-point win over Golden State last Thursday was significant because the Suns had lost 5-6, of six, and Golden State's not a bad team. But as far as just purely dominant performances, the game on December 29th at home against New Orleans was the one that I think a lot of people looked and they're like, okay, whoa, this is, uh, we have high expectations for the Suns this season. That was game four. And everybody was just kind of like, maybe, maybe they're already hitting that. And maybe there's not going to be growing pains or an adjustment period. Now, we know since then they got to, to five and one and then they dropped off for a while. And now they seem to be picking things back up considerably but um that it's just it's playing new orleans tonight kind of reminded me of that that was really the most convincing suns win of the year i get that new orleans isn't great i don't really understand why new orleans is as bad as they are because you do have zion and brandon ingram has been really good uh but you know it is what it is that's not the sun's problem it's um even eric bledsoe hasn't been bad this year he wasn't good against the suns the first time but you keep winning these games. If you do, if you win tonight, you're two and zero against the Pelicans. You're three and zero against the Mavericks, and it's more so Dallas that had expectations for this year than say New Orleans. But I mean, if if you're going to keep beating those teams, that Dallas was supposed to be a playoff team, and New Orleans was supposed to be a fringy team, right? Like maybe they were 10th in the West or 9th. Maybe, I mean, you look and you say, I think most people expected Minnesota would miss the playoffs. Uh, Oklahoma City, after trading away Chris Paul. And probably Sacramento. I still think Sacramento is not as bad as people think, but they are Sacramento. I would take Tyrese Halliburton, though. Nothing against Jalen Smith. That one that one still stings. Uh, you can look past it when your team is winning and the Suns are winning at, at 11-8 and eight on the year. But other than like those really two teams, Minnesota and Oklahoma City, going into the season were the only two I was confident would miss the playoffs in the West. As far as teams that could mess things up for the Suns, it's like 
if Dallas is as good as a lot of people thought they would be, or if New Orleans is maybe a little bit better and they can put it together with Zion and Ingram and, and Bledsoe and Lonzo, if they can if they can put that talent together and push for like seven or eight in the West or even nine, that makes things tougher for a team like the Suns. As it turns out, the Suns right now are in fifth and they've been beating these teams like New Orleans and Dallas and Oklahoma City. Well, New Orleans and Dallas. Uh, so if, you, if you're able to just keep pushing that way, you have to feel pretty good about this team's chances to not only make the, uh, the playoffs, like as in that play-in round of, of the uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds, but like actually be a team. And that's, I think, the most refreshing thing about the Suns at this point. We're going into the 20th game of this 72-game season. I don't find myself, I know I just did this, but overall I don't find myself looking too much at the fringe playoff teams. I find myself kind of looking ahead and thinking, all right, is there any way Suns maybe could run down Denver? Are they going to stay in the in the five seed, which is where they are right now? When we did the uh, the stories for ArizonaSports.com at the start of the season, one of the questions was how do you define success for the Suns this year? And it's a loaded question because right off the top of my head, my thought is, okay, make the playoffs. Not the play-in, make the playoffs. So really finish top six in the West. But, you know, look, if you got to finish seven or eight, then just win your way through the play-in and get in. Just get in the playoffs. But then you think a little bit deeper and you're like, well, probably only going to have Chris Paul for two years. His impact is going to last longer than two years. I think we're already seeing that. His impact on DeAndre Ayton. His impact on these other young players, too. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges. I, I know we don't talk about that so much. We just look and say, okay, what can he? What can Chris Paul do for DeAndre Ayton? He's already doing it. But that is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer that's still playing good basketball. He's not like a player coach. And you have him around Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson and some of these other younger players. So his impact will last longer than these two years. But realistically, I think we're only going to have Chris Paul for two years. So with that in mind, it's like, yeah, how about make the playoffs and, you know, don't be the eighth seed and, and bow out to L.A. in five or something. Like, get in. Be, if the Suns finish the season, I know we're looking way ahead, but if they finish the season in fifth, like if the standings stayed the way they are and they played the Denver Nuggets in a best-of-seven series coming up, how exciting would that be? Because you're going in that series like, yeah, okay, we're the underdogs. I get it. Nationally, that's the perception. You could beat Denver in a best-of-seven. He absolutely could. So, look, they don't have to beat Denver in a best of seven tonight. they got to beat New Orleans. Just keep beating those teams towards the bottom of the standings that were supposed to be kind of playoff contenders. New Orleans, more of a fringe than Dallas, but, I mean, they're right there with each other. Dallas is 8-13. and 13. New Orleans is 7-12. and 12. Just keep pushing those teams further back and, and assure that you're at least going to be a top 10, if not a top 8 or a top 6 team. Let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine about this earlier today who also went to ASU, and I know we're not alone in this. It is it is just a mess this basketball season. And I know it's that way across the country, but specifically for ASU, and I know they haven't done themselves any favors. They lost six straight games from December 13th, basically, to January 28th. 
But they had finally won a couple games in a row, beating Cal and Stanford late last week and over the weekend. And you're supposed to play Utah on Tuesday. Okay, that's postponed. You're supposed to play Colorado tomorrow. Postponed. Utah on Sunday. Postponed. <laughs> like, it is, it is rough. And I know there are bigger things than sports when you start to talk about the pandemic and a virus and all that. I get that. But on this station, we're focused on the sports. And for ASU basketball... First and foremost, you hope everybody's doing well health-wise. Man, this is going to be eight games this season that have been postponed or canceled. I've lost track of how many Pac-12 games because the Utah game keeps getting postponed and rescheduled, but I believe that is going to be six. Yeah, six Pac-12 games. Um, Maybe even seven by this weekend. (laughs) It's just, it's, uh, they're not going to be able to make all these up, obviously. And it's a frustrating season because it obviously has impacted the team on the court as well. You can't totally give them a pass. You can't look and say, okay, the games got postponed, and that's why ASU went out and lost UCLA and USC and UTEP and, and Oregon State and U of A twice. Nah, you can't do that. But you can't also, you can't tell me that this hasn't impacted them on some level. They just cannot find a rhythm. They... You know, you, you bring in Marcus Bagley and Josh Christopher, and so you have to blend these two brand new freshmen, like highly touted freshmen, should be first round picks in the draft. You got to blend them with the guys that have been on this team for a while, and they just they don't they're not even getting to play, and it's going to continue now through this weekend. So tough one there for Bobby Hurley and his group. Uh, over to baseball, the Diamondbacks signing Joakim Soria to a one year deal. And they said, you know, it's it's not entirely... It, he's basically, he's going to compete for the closer's role. They don't have, like, a set closer after dealing away Archie Bradley uh, last year. You know, Soria hasn't been, like, the dominant reliever he was for Kansas City 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago. He hasn't been that guy in a while. But he does have 223 career saves. So for a team that doesn't have, like, a surefire, this is definitely our ninth-inning lockdown guy... This, of course, all assuming we have a baseball season. But uh, for for a team that doesn't have that, you know, if they put even if they plug somebody else in out of spring training, that guy stumbles at all. Story is right there, and uh, so we'll see. That's you know, it's not a huge like headline grabbing move. We are talking about a guy with a 3.01 career ERA and 223 saves, so some veteran experience in that bullpen. They don't have anybody else. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's also you can look Their at their best that way. reliever last year was, I believe, Stefan Crichton, and he was he ended up, I think, being the closer. And I mean, they didn't win very many games, but no, I he just, was their best reliever last year. And now Archie's gone, and they didn't bring back Rondon. I don't, I don't think Junior Guerra is coming back. I could be wrong about that, but Joaquin Soria is the only guy that's closed. I just know by the end of the season. We have our fantasy baseball league here where saves were at a premium and no Diamondbacks closers were owned on any team. Or if they were, it was for like a week at a time. Um, Phoenix Suns, switching back to the NBA, are going to start allowing fans. Uh, Technically, Sunday against Boston, they're going to have people in the arena. But as far as just like open to your average fan, that starts Monday against Cleveland. And they're going to start with up to 1,500 in the building. This was inevitable at some point. I know some people hate the idea of doing this this soon. I know other people are like, this should have been done already. Wherever you come out on it, ultimately, there's going to have to be steps like this before we get back to normalcy. Again, whether you think it should be happening this weekend or a month from now or whatever, 
Uh, that's what the Suns are going to try and do. 1,500 fans. I mean, if, if you do it responsibly, I'm not a scientist, but if you at least do it responsibly and, and you keep everybody separated, um, you can minimize a lot of the safety risks. You can't minimize all of them. I mean, you're putting a bunch of people together in a closed building. You have everybody wearing their masks. I know that the Coyotes have done a really good job where you order your food from your seats on an app. So, you know, just trying trying to stay away from uh, from groups of people, certainly. But that's what the Suns are going to start doing on, like I said, technically Sunday against Boston. But in terms of opening it to, you know, not just kind of like uh, friends and family or other specific fans, opening it to just every fan, that'll be on Monday against Cleveland. All right, when we come back, the Waste Management Pro-Am today. That means you get to hear from Larry Fitzgerald. And he did a long interview on the Fred Couple Show. Most of it was about golf. That's not what we're going to be talking about, though, when we come back. Did he give any insight into his future or what he sees from this Cardinals team? We will find out next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Rundown 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it is that time of year again, early February. If you're like me, you're already kind of adjusting to, you got one more football game, and then like the day after the Super Bowl is such a letdown. So you're just like, all right, you know, there's other, at least this year we've got football or basketball, and for me, hockey going much later into the summer, so that should help. Uh, who knows what baseball is going to do. But there is that moment like when the Super Bowl ends, or really it's like the, the Monday after, which really should be a holiday. Um, the Monday after, we're just like, oh, all right, I guess no more football until next August. Uh, but we do have the Super Bowl. And uh, the other part of this time of year is it is try to predict what Larry Fitzgerald is going to do. And Larry Fitzgerald was on, as I mentioned, the Fred Couples show today. Now, you know Fitz is not going to give you a clear, hey, I'm definitely coming back, or hey, I'm not, because I don't know that he's really decided yet. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's playing this up to, to just to get more attention. He's had plenty of attention in his career. But uh, he was asked, you know, are you coming back? And uh, his, his first response was? Yeah, that I have a desire to continue to play and, and chase greatness. Um, the only reason you play is to win a championship, and that would be the only reason I would you know, be participating. So I, I hear that clip and there's more I'll, I'll play a few more in just a second but uh I hear that and it's essentially if I return it's going to be because I feel like I can win a Super Bowl and, and it immediately made me think wow these moves that the Rams and presumably I, I I'm guessing the 49ers are going to make a quarterback are they going to be enough to push Larry Fitzgerald to not want to come back I mean if he's really saying okay I, I, I'm going to come back because I feel like we can win a title didn't you feel a lot better about the Cardinals' chances to win a title like three months ago, right around the middle of the season? The end of the season was was a huge step back. And then even if you kind of recovered after the regular season, you're like, all right, you know, it's growing pains for, for your head coach. It is a learning process. If you're the Cardinals' optimist and you're like, okay, but you know what? They'll get this. You know, they'll still be better next year. Well, the Rams going out there and getting Matthew, Matthew Stafford's not helping. And I don't think the 49ers are getting Deshaun Watson, but I do think they're getting somebody to upgrade a quarterback. And, and like I've said a million times before, they're going to be better just because they're not going to have the same injuries next year that they did this year. 
So if you're Larry Fitzgerald and you're trying to look around the landscape, and obviously he knows this stuff better than any of us because he's out there on the field every week, I just don't know how you feel better about the Cardinals' chances now than you did back in November. Uh, Fitz, though, asked about the Cardinals' future, and this, I think, was more so in a vacuum, not looking around the division. And we got a really solid nucleus, um, very young, got some dynamic playmakers on both the offense and defensive side of the ball, and you know, the, the future is very bright here in Arizona. You know, when you have a quarterback that can compete and do the things that our young quarterback can do, um, you know, it makes it makes it you know very very good in terms of just you know playing into the playoffs and you know being able to have a chance. You look at the teams that make the playoffs year in and year out. Most of the teams have really talented quarterbacks, and if you have somebody that can throw it. Um, you know, it gives you a great chance to, to have sustainable success. Everybody wants Larry Fitzgerald back. Uh, he's, he's worth more than just his production on the field. Hopefully you don't have to pay him $11 million if he comes back. And that's not a, well, Fitz isn't worth it. No, I, don't, I don't even care about that. It's just you only have so much money that you can spread around your roster, and they have so many other needs than, you know, if this is a Super Bowl contending team, if you get to that point, Let's be honest with ourselves. Larry Fitzgerald next season, if, let's just say the Cardinals make the playoffs and they win a couple playoff games next year. They're doing that with Larry Fitzgerald as their third best receiver. So if that's the case, you still got to go out and find a number two receiver or somehow hope Christian Kirk makes that jump to being a consistent number two next year on top of either paying Patrick Peterson and or Hassan Reddick and or going out to get somebody to replace Patrick Peterson if you don't keep him, figuring out what you're going to do at running back. I mean, there's, defensively, there's, there's so many areas that this team has to allocate money to that if you allocate $11 million to Larry Fitzgerald, it's going to be really tough. But at the same time, I'm not ready for Fitz to retire. It's not really my call. I can tell you, I don't think Fitz is going to text me and be like, am I allowed to retire? Should I retire? I have no say. But... I don't, I'm not ready for him to retire. I want the Cardinals in the playoffs with Larry Fitzgerald one last time. I do. We were talking the other day. What's you know? What's your greatest Larry Fitzgerald memory for me? No brainer. Him catching that pass at the towards the end of the Super Bowl was it like two and a half minutes left. Sixty four yard touchdown. He runs fifty seven of it. You're just like whoa. Huh? <laughs> Cardinals might win the Super Bowl. All that all the quarterbacks he's had to endure. I mean, there's been some good and great ones. But all that he has done for this team and this community, I want Larry Fitzgerald's last game in the NFL to be a playoff game. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I do think if he comes back, the playoffs are certainly within reach. Man, this division is just, it's its getting brutal. Uh, the Super Bowl. What, Bear, we haven't really talked about who we think is going to win. Do you have a strong feeling in this game? Um, I, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I don't think it's going to be like a blowout or anything. Yeah. We, um, they had us send in our predictions this afternoon, and I wanted to click the Chiefs are going to win because the Chiefs are the better team, and Patrick Mahomes is the best player. And if, honestly, if you went, if you lined up all the players on the field right now in 2021, who's the best player? It's a pretty good chance Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill are the three best players in this game. But that Eric Fisher injury on the offensive line is significant. And I'm torn on this in the sense that I, I would like to see Bruce Arians win the Super Bowl. 
as a head coach? Absolutely. I think I think pretty much everybody here would. I, I'm kind of over watching Tom Brady win Super Bowls. And Brady always has that like confused look on his face when after they won where he's just like, wow, did I just win? Yeah, Tom, you've won six of these. He doesn't need a seventh. So as much as I want Arians to win, overall I would prefer the Chiefs win. I kind of think Tampa's going to win this game. Kansas City is so much better. There's a chance that the Chiefs just go out there and win by 20. I get that. But that Eric Fisher injury worries me. You know if it's close, Tom Brady's going to make a big play, or there's going to be a weird play or a weird call that goes his way if this game is close late. It always does. It did against the Chiefs a couple years ago when he was on the Patriots. Otherwise, this would be Mahomes' third straight trip to the Super Bowl in his first three seasons. If this game is close late, I think Mahomes is a, is a better quarterback right now. Obviously, he is. He's better than everybody. But if this game is close late, it gets really tough to pick against Brady, especially because what irritated me so many times when he was on the Patriots these last few years was him convincing himself and trying to convince everybody else, and it really only worked on Patriots fans, that he and the Patriots were huge underdogs when they were clearly favored in most of these Super Bowls and most of these big games. But everybody is actually treating Brady and the Buccaneers like they are underdogs going into this game. That's that's a dangerous spot when you are facing Tom Brady, the underdog. Mina Kimes talked about the uh, the Chiefs, how they could lose this game. Agree a thousand percent. And I'm actually really glad I'm on your show on a Monday because you're going to hear the phrase four man rush so many times over the week that you're probably going to ban it by Friday. But I got in before it got too annoying, Scott. Uh, but that's really the key to this game. I mean, it's like a cliche, but it's true. Okay, you can't blitz Mahomes. When you go back and watch week 12 when these two teams play, you learn two things. One, don't play press man against Tyreek Hill. I'm so sorry, Carlton Davis, that you had to live through that. Two, don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Todd Bowles has one of the blitz-happiest units in the NFL, but they've been really successful with a four-man rush lately against the Packers. All five of their sacks were with a standard rush. JPP and Shaq Barrett can win on their own, especially against this ramshackle Chiefs offensive line. I think a lot of things would have to go wrong for the Chiefs to lose, but it's one game. It could certainly happen. And it's not like Tom Brady is taking this ragtag bunch of like NFL rejects to the Super Bowl. He's got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown and Cameron Brates again and Leonard Fournette. Like this feels like one of those games where Leonard Fournette, who really hasn't done that much all year, somehow has like two touchdowns and sneaks in as like the Super Bowl MVP or something. And the Buccaneers' defense is solid. Todd Bowles is one game against Todd Bowles. Anything goes. So the Chiefs should win. I think it's a more entertaining game if the if the Chiefs win. But um, if this gets if this is close late, <laughs> you give me a close game like a one score game in the final three minutes of the Super Bowl, I would be a fool to tell you I didn't like Tom Brady's chances. So. I guess I'm picking Tampa. I don't know if this is just because I don't really want Tampa to win. I don't think it's that, because I do want Bruce Arians to win. Ah, so many conflicting emotions. The Cardinals aren't even in there. This is why the Cardinals just need to get to the Super Bowl. Then there are that no would conflicting... solve a lot of things, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really would. It would. We wouldn't have to talk about... We care! Yes. We care! <laughs> I'm tired of watching Super Bowls and, and deciding who I want to win based more on just who I want to lose. That's how I always watch the Super Bowl. 
I don't want this team to win, so I guess I want the other team to win. This is no way to live. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll find the uh, the more humorous and entertaining side of the Super Bowl. Prop bets are out. There's billions of them. We're going to go through some of our favorites next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, some of the stuff I'm definitely going to miss about the Super Bowl this year. There, There is, wow, Kyler Murray's on, oh, it's a Kyler Murray commercial. Um, I'm totally distracted by that. It's a good thing I'm not hosting a radio show. Uh, one of the things, though, that I'm really going to miss about the Super Bowl this year is the whole, you get uh, you get a bunch of people together, and you're watching the game, and we usually do like a prop bet pool or something, and you have a lot of people there that maybe don't watch football that close over the course of the year, and one of them always wins. The prop bet pool. You get, everybody gets into the commercials and everything. That's just not really going to be an option this year, and I get it, and it's a small sacrifice, big picture. But uh, I'm looking forward to next year's Super Bowl, having everybody back together for some Super Bowl parties. One thing I do not have to do without this year, though, is the insanity of prop bets, and I'm guessing a lot of these are bets people don't really make. I hope these are bets people I hope really they make. are. <laughs> it's- so dumb, some, some of these. Well, I mean, heads or tails on the coin flip is you... If tails you, never fail. <laughs> I was going to say, if you bet on that, you need to take a long look in the mirror, but I, I forgot that tails never fails logic, so that's if that's a guaranteed win, then maybe I was wrong. Um, okay, I'm going to... We're just going to kind of go back and forth and make picks on some of these. I'll start with um, what gets mentioned first. Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl appearance or Tom Brady's age? These are actual prop mm. bets. These are not ones we we're like making up. I'm anything. guessing it'll be the Super Bowl appearance followed swiftly by the age. Yeah, it's entirely possible those are both in the same sentence. D- it right? all depends. Who, who, it's CBS, right? It all depends on what Jim Nance says first. This is all about Jim Nance. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Tom, the, okay. Question for you. I'm yes. not. You're you're a betting man. You like to gamble, right? No, I'm not. I um, don't. <laughs> I don't like to gamble. Does I don't. this? Do these start? I guess it depends on what it is. But like stuff like that. What you just said. What gets mentioned first? Does that start all the way back at the pregame stuff or in game? That's what's you know like yeah. Because you know, of course they're going to talk about his age. Most on of, the pregame show. My understanding with most of the props is that they start when like the game starts. So okay. that, that is like that includes the the coin flip and the anthem and all that stuff. But like when pregame coverage ends and like here's the game broadcast. Super Bowl. Them mentioning that it's his tenth Super Bowl is heavily favored over them mentioning it's his age first. All right, okay. What do you got? Um, the first one I kind of came across that I thought is a no brainer. If the Buccaneers win the coin toss, what will they do? Defer or receive? It's Bruce Arians. What do you think they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to receive. They want the ball. No risk it, no biscuit, baby. I, I didn't see that one, but I'm assuming the odds are 50-50. Right? Or it's, it's got to be same odds both ways. Minus 200 for defer, plus 150 for receive. So they think he's going to kick if That's he wins the coin flip. Stupid. They want the ball. Um, This is an interesting one. Will either team lead wire to wire? So, like, I saw that one. That is interesting. Yeah, I, I, 
So th- what that means is if one team gets the lead first, will they lead the whole game? Yeah, like so the Chiefs score first and they never give up the lead. If the Buccaneers mm. score first, and never, I, I have I to say no. I don't think that's going to happen. Not yeah. in this game. There's, there's going to be Tom some Brady. back and forth. I'd be really surprised if there was no back and forth in this game. Uh, this is a funny one. <laughs> what will be the primary color of Patrick Mahomes' headband? The uh, the, uh, the almost like the Patriots. <laughs> the Chiefs are wearing their red jerseys, yeah. so I would think it's red. Yeah, it would. It, see, there are people that do bet on this there's, stuff. There's that, four like, options. Do the research. There's four options here. Red at minus four hundred. So that's the heavy favorite. Yeah, black at two uh, plus two ten. Gray. I've never even seen him wear gray. Plus six hundred and white plus six hundred. See, I would think off the top of my head, it would either be red or, or white, white, which is the lowest one on the list. I guess he could wear black. I guess it Maybe. goes with red. I don't know. I mean, well, he could do whatever. The he only wants. one that won't be worn for sure is gray. Yeah, that would be weird. Watch, watch him wear watch gray. Him wear gray yeah, now. seriously. <laughs> um, sort of along those lines, what will be the primary color of Bruce Arians' flat cap? Mm. See now, so the They're Chiefs wa- are wearing red, so the, the Buccaneers, Buccaneers are wearing white. Are wearing their white. I still think it's going to be red. Is, I think it's going to be red. Red is favored. I think it's going to be red. Then white, then gray, then black. Okay. Um, I might go white on that one. <laughs> uh, this this one, I feel like it's a slam dunk. How many times will Bill Belichick be mentioned? And the yeah. line is only at one. Yeah. Over one or under one? That that's, has to be over, Over right? one, m- minus 310, under one, plus 205. Okay, so, so heavily It favored. has to be over. Uh, yeah, I would Come on. think so. Um, and, uh, um, uh, uh, the same time, how many times will the Patriots be mentioned? That's two. Two times, it says. Un- over two or under two. Okay, so I, I would guess, say over two. I would still say over yeah. two, but that's I could at least see it being only like twice, and then I guess you just push. But there's no way Belichick doesn't get mentioned at all. Oh, yeah. They're, they're mentioning him. So even It's if- either he doesn't get mentioned or it's over once. So even if they mention him once, you would push on that, and then if they, yeah. Can they mention him half a time by saying Bill? Just Bill? Coach Bill. Uh, if he has the hoodie, I guess they can call him the hoodie. <laughs> the evil uh, emperor. How about this one? How many commercials will show a person wearing a mask? What do you think the oh. over-under is? I was asking people in the newsroom this earlier, and they were like, that's stop good, bothering me because I'm working. <laughs> But a couple of them Usually were, that's what happens when you try to talk yeah, to people. <laughs> it's just like, Could you leave me alone, please? Specifically in this building, yes, over anywhere else. But uh, none of them were actually working. Oh, is it, I would say, ten times? Everybody. Well, not everybody. Three other people said ten. One person said seventeen. It's two and a half. Two and a half? How is that not like an easy of, over? Of course they're going to show people more than two and a half times wearing masks. There might be a commercial for wearing your mask. Right. <laughs> oh, that counts too. <laughs> yeah, I will say, uh, Jared Carlin, who was also in the newsroom, his response was, "Does like uh, a like a well?" He said Iron Man, but uh, that's not making any more Iron Man movies. But does a does a Marvel movie where the character is actually just wearing a mask count? And I stopped talking. <laughs> Ant Man. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, will a clip of John Gruden be shown from Super Bowl 37? That's the last time outside of this season where the Buccaneers won a playoff game was that Super Bowl, right? Okay, so... It, it's only yes or no. I would say yes if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, I think it's going to happen before the end of the game. Okay, I can see that. Here's one for you. These are my favorite ones. 
Patrick Mahomes rushing yards or DeAndre Ayton rebounds plus blocks in their game against the Celtics on Sunday. <laughs> uh, these are all real. I'm, Mahomes, I'm making these up. Mahomes rushing yards, you say? He's averaging over the course of the year just over 20 rushing yards per game. And it's combined Ayton's rebounds and blocks? Yeah. I'm going to go with Mahomes rushing. I might go eight in rebounds and blocks. I might. Because he's been he's really been rebounding well lately. Then so, you gotta take into fact who are the Celtics bigs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's still though, I mean, let's let's say Mahomes does get twenty rushing yards. That's that's you're asking seventeen rebounds and three blocks. Yeah, I'll go Mahomes. I'm I'm you don't you don't, uh, <laughs> don't have a lot of success picking against Mahomes. All right, you mentioned um masks before. Yeah. Here's this one. This is funny. Which coach will have their nostrils seen first during the game? <laughs> it's definitely Bruce Arians because he wears that face shield. Yeah. He also wears a mask. I know that. But BA's always yelling at somebody, so he's going to take his mask down at some point. Now, that true. I don't disagree with any of that. The thing you have to at least take into consideration is Andy Reid's mask is always way too small. Like, he always wears the one Andy Reid's mask looks... They look inflated, like there's a fan in yeah. there, like uh, blowing it up. It's really strange. They look like a bird beak. Now, he made that face shield famous in week one, how foggy it got, and yeah, then he stopped sure. wearing it. <laughs> but yeah, Bruce Arians. Arians, when he wears the face shield, looks like he's like a welder because he always has all like the equipment on, too. Uh, here's one, and I'm pretty confident in this one. Will there be a score in the last three and a half minutes of the game? I'm going to say yes. 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 Definitely yes. Yes. I don't understand this one, uh, so maybe you know what this means. How many times will kindergarten be said? Is that a pandemic-related one? If so, I want to skip it. I don't know. I have I no really... idea what that means. <laughs> who's, I just scroll. Who's betting on that? I'm just scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> who's watching the Super Bowl opening kindergarten? Here, here's another mentioned. one. Here's another one. Uh, when will Sarah Thomas, the first female official to uh, referee a Super Bowl, first be mentioned during the broadcast mm. in the first half or the second half. Definitely a first Definitely half. Right? First, They're not yeah. going to wait a whole half. Oh, by the way. <laughs> She'll um, probably throw a flag. They'll have to, they'll probably mention her in the first half. So first half is, is minus 300 heavy favorite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's another one. How many times will home field advantage be said over under half? It's definitely it's their going to be said. It's yes. their stadium. The Buccaneers are playing the Super Bowl in Tampa. It's absolutely going to be mentioned. What? <laughs> How many times will Queen Latifah be said by Jim Nance? Yeah. What is that? Like, oh, well, she's, that yeah. show that she's in yeah. where she, you're supposed to buy that she's like this badass cop or something. I'm like, this is Queen Latifah we're talking about. Here's, I'm sorry. I've seen her in too many funny movies and st- and shows. Yeah, to take her seriously as a as a as a, like a cop that kicks butts. You yeah, know? That's, she is usually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, it's just so out of place. Will, but he's got to do those reads, so, so he probably he, <laughs> it's yeah. over under one time. It's uh, going to be over that. It's the new show they're promoting, of course, it will be. Otherwise, he's not doing his job, right? Uh, will baby goat be said in reference to Patrick Mahomes? Yes, Jim Nance will say it. Yeah. Or Romo. So no, yeah. See, I think Romo's more Romo's likely to say it. Going to say it. No is minus two thousand. They do not think this is going to get said. Really? Yeah, seven to one odds on yes. How about this one? Will burger be said by Andy Reid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's his favorite food. That's the underdog there. I've got to, I've got one on the field for you. Travis Kelsey over under seven and a half catches. 
I, I know that they always set supposedly set the lines higher because they know people want to bet the over. Why would you bet the under? That's boring. Yeah. Um, Trav- I'll go over. Yeah, I'll definitely go over. Travis Kelsey's getting the football a lot. Otherwise, the Chiefs are doing something wrong. Uh, over his last one, over under four and a half commercials with dogs in them. Hmm. How many was it? Four and a half. People like dogs. Over. Over. Really? Yeah. Wonder what How the do you get people's be attention? Like dogs. Dogs. What if a dog is wearing a mask? Does it just parlay <laughs> both those together? Oh, here's one that's more football related. Which coordinator will be shown first? Eric Bieniemy, Steve Spagnolo, Byron Leftwich, or Todd Bowles? Definitely Eric Bieniemy. Definitely. Yeah. You know, Eric Bieniemy, uh, Peter King was on with Bickley and Murata today. And we're not going to, I don't think we'll have time to play that audio because we have a shorter show tonight. The sun's coming up. But they asked him about, like, is this really as ridiculous as it appears that Eric Bieniemy Eric keeps getting passed over for head coaching jobs? And he essentially said yes. <laughs> like, look at past Chiefs offensive coordinators that didn't have the success Eric Bieniemy has had that got head coaching jobs. Like, this this weird convoluted... Todd Haley. Yeah. Well, Todd Haley was the coach of the Chiefs. Never mind. But, Sorry. But this weird... Matt con- Nagy? Yeah. So that's one. Yeah, he's doing a great job. This weird um, convoluted argument that's like, well, he's got Patrick Mahomes. Can't take him seriously as a head coach. So... They won the Super Bowl last year. They might win the Super Bowl in four days, and they should have been in the Super Bowl the year before last year if not for D. Ford being offsides. What more could Eric... If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm saying, fine, you guys are keeping me in Kansas City as the offensive coordinator. I'm just going to keep winning Super Bowls here then. And he's also... This is another point Peter King made. He's more involved in the play calling than a lot of these former offensive coordinators. Like, this is Eric Bieniemy running this offense in a lot of ways. I sure hope he wears his Super Bowl rings to the <laughs> interviews or on the Zoom screen. Just be like, you see these right here? He just kind of wraps, wraps them on the desk and just kind of like doesn't say anything, just looks at him and just kind of knocks the rings on the desk. Oh, sorry. I was just messing with yes. my three Super Bowl titles. Oh, where's all your uh, rings here in Detroit? Oh, you don't have any. Okay. Oh. Oh. But Dan Campbell wants to bite off kneecaps, so that's cool. That's good enough for the Lions. We really shouldn't be surprised. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with a look ahead to tonight's uh, Suns matchup with the New Orleans Pelicans. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Suns Pelicans coming up at the top of the hour. Our own Kellen Olsen tweeting out about an hour ago from that Monty Williams uh, Zoom call. Obviously campaign, Dario Saric still not playing tonight, but uh, Monty did say they're both improving and progressing back in Phoenix. Suns have a seven-game homestand after this game tonight. Uh, Kellen also, he didn't say all that, but uh, but he did say Monty said campaign and Dario Saric still improving. Kellen also said uh, Monty's not 100% sure if Abdul Nader will play tonight. But uh, Suns and Pelicans coming up top of the hour. So we got to get through this uh, final segment here pretty quickly. Uh, We've talked a lot. I don't know if you've noticed this. If you listen to the station, talked a lot about DeAndre Ayton over the last few years. Uh, Brian Windhorst, though, so this is more of a national perspective, wrote a story on DeAndre Ayton today that I I think it's pretty, pretty fair. It's pretty it's it's a pretty it talks about his, his pros and his cons. So I think whether you are a whether you think whether you if you're a fan that thinks Aiton's the greatest player in NBA history, okay, you, this is I think it's worth a read. And if you're one of the, the the fans that thinks the Suns messed up that pick, I think it's still worth a read. He was also on today 
on our airwaves on the Doug and Wolf show, and he was asked, is this the fulcrum year for DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, I mean, the third year for a high draft pick is always a vital year because, and again, I don't, we're accused of the media sometimes of making it too transactional, and I don't mean to do that, but this is the year when your contract is decided. I know that for, for Booker, for example, his third year, he was an absolute beast. Mm-hmm. And he got to the end of that third year, and that max contract came rolling out in July. And, um, you know, he's the type of player that you have to evaluate. Do, how heavy do you invest in him going forward? Do you invest in him like a cornerstone piece? And, you know, I, I can just see that it's going to be – they're good. I think they're going to have to. Yeah, that's – you know, that's part of the – the conversation here when people are like, okay, why are you still talking about DeAndre Ayton? Let's just see what he does. Well, if you're the Suns, you are very soon here, you're going to have to decide how much you're willing to pay him. Are you going to pay him like a max player? Are you going to, like, what are you going to do? Is another team going to come along and try and steal him when he's a restricted free agent? Does he deserve to be paid like a max player? No, he doesn't. Come on. He's had he's had some some really good to great games, but not near consistently enough to be paid like a max player based solely on merit as what he has done. But he is getting better. You took him with a no, number one overall pick not that long ago. The experiment of putting him with Chris Paul and now year two with Monty Williams it does seem to be trending in the right direction. You may have to overpay. That's just that's that's life in the NBA. Uh, Brian Windhorst also, he kind of went through, he he said some of the, he talked to DeAndre Ayton for the piece and he asked DeAndre Ayton, you know, what is, what is most important to him? And Ayton mentioned, you know, he wants to get back. He wants to get to the playoffs. He's, he's seen what it does to Devin Booker to not be in the playoffs. And, you know, he wants, he wants to get there. He also talked about, he wants to get paid. He wants to get paid like a guy like DeAndre Jordan, Jordan or Blake Griffin couple times in the story that DeAndre Ayton mentions watching Chris Paul when he was growing up playing with the Lob City era Clippers and saying, yeah, it was fun to watch. And he got those big men paid. So DeAndre Ayton's not like oblivious to the fact that he's about to make a bunch of money. Not like you thought he was, but it is a motivator for him. And third, not second. Now, this was behind money, technically, in the order. But third, he said he wants to be one of the best. And, you know, he obviously hears the criticism that comes with being the number one pick in a draft that has seen Luka Doncic and Trey Young really take off. Um, you know, there's it's still so early in Aiton's career. But I want to play this. we got time real quick. When Horse did say this, watching the uh, the games on the NBA package, what he's seen from Aiton between uh, timeouts. You know, uh, so when you watch, you guys can't see this locally, but when you watch the Suns on League Pass, um, when they go to break, you're allowed, you, you can watch the cameras uh, that are, you know, because you don't see the local commercials. So you watch the cameras that are in the arena. Um, and a lot of times they're on the huddle. And it's, no, DeAndre probably leads the league in getting yelled at by his teammates. Um, if it's not Booker, it's Jay Crowder, it's Chris Paul, it's Monty, it's the assistant coaches. He gets, they're constantly on him, and they're on him because they know that when he is inspired and playing with Edge, that he is an elite center, mm-hmm. and they try to raise that out of him. Yeah, and it is funny, especially I'm sure if you're not in the Phoenix market and you're like, wow, these guys all yell at Aiton. But the thing about Aiton, one of the things I really like is he's open to it. 
He's got an ego, but not so much where he's not willing to listen to these, you know, his coaches or other players, and because they know there's more for him to give, and that to me indicates he knows it too. Uh, real quick here before we wrapped up, news coming down uh, in hockey: Minnesota Wild games postponed through at least Tuesday. The reason that is relevant to you is that's who the Coyotes play twice this weekend. So those games, if you are a hockey fan, Coyotes Wild, they're not playing this weekend like they were supposed to. They're supposed to play Saturday and Sunday. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Suns Pelicans coming up next. This has been the Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.